Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter. Tell me how dumb I am, at Braden Gall. You can tell me how smart I am, at Scavendish. Please, rate, review, subscribe. If you like the show, smash the subscribe button. Tell 10, 20, 50, 1 million people that you listen to Lamestream Sports. That is a lot of people. Steve, you, I mean, don't hey. have, you don't have to go to social media to tell me I'm stupid. You get a podcast to do that. So. <laughs> uh, on the show today, we're going to have a little different type of episode today because one of my favorite basketball analysts, like literally on planet Earth, Chris Spatola, had a long conversation with him this week about a lot of things. We talked about the actual tournament on some of the other podcasts. If you want to go check out what he has to say about Tennessee and how they're going to make a run or whatever, all that good stuff, check out Fringe Element Show, of course. Um, but we also, what, what I love doing with him is talking big picture media business about the sport, about the NCAA tournament. He has some really strong opinions. He thinks that the power five could straight up steal the NCAA tournament away from the NCAA. So we'll, we'll, we'll give you a smaller, shorter interview with him about 10, 12, 15 minutes. You're going to hear from him. Super smart dude. And then we're going to spend some time today. Uh, we've got some tweets we've got to address some some reporting from Chad Withrow and Jared Stillman, sort of the differences between their reports about Aaron Rodgers and Rob Gronkowski, what people need to know about those two, and sort of some of the differences and how people phrase things when they report some information. So we'll get to that. Uh, of course, we've got TV ratings for the uh, for basketball, especially the SEC tournament, which was really really interesting. Of course, a conversation about some media homerism. Um, which might tie directly into one particular university and how it got seated in the tournament and uh, maybe the Titans media as well. So we'll get to that. And uh, I've got to pick on you a little bit, Steve. You know, I, I don't have to go to Twitter to pick on you. I can just pick on you right here on the podcast. I, I, I welcome and uh, I, I welcome <laughs> and will enjoy whatever it is you think you have to say. <laughs> got to call you out for something that you did on the Twitters this week. All right. All of that on the show today. A little different for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Um, before we do, of course, Steve, this podcast is brought to you by who it's brought to you by the fine folks at Jasper's, which if you're listening to this on Friday, which you are, cause it doesn't come out before then is a great place to go watch the NCAA tournament. Like Steve and I did yesterday at Jasper's great burger, great happy hour, free parking and Preds games, NCAA tournament games. Great place to watch sporting events. We've planted ourselves, before. planted ourselves at Jasper's. Enjoyed some good food, enjoyed some NCAA coverage. I mean, really, it was it, it's just an ideal sort of thing. And since we're recording this before we actually went and did it, we have no clue what happened in the game, but it was fun. We had a great it was, time. We had a great time. We it cannot, was fantastic. We, we cannot guarantee any outcomes of basketball games that have already happened in the past. But guarantee <laughs> it was great food. And I can guarantee you that we parked for free. Yep. And that homestyle IPA was delicious. If and when I might have consumed one, we'll just say it like that. Uh, all right, so a lot of stuff today on the show. As I mentioned, uh, we'll get to some tweets and reporting and the differences that people need to know about. We'll get to some some other things about TV ratings and media homerism and give Cav a hard time for some stuff that he said on Twitter this week as well uh, about you know maybe some teams maybe getting into the tournament, maybe not getting into the tournament. But before we do, Chris Spatola, here's a short interview with him about the future of college basketball, the tournament, the business side of it, and what he thinks is going to happen in the very near future with March Madness. Chris, good to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Always a pleasure. W what is the one thing that this sport, like what's the one problem with the media 
that covers this sport? Is it parachuting in in March and, and not understanding the full complexity of the season? Is it the committee behind closed doors making decisions and their inability to explain it? What, what is the one media hurdle that this sport faces that if they could clear m- might allow the game to, to flourish in a, in a more successful way? Well, in this particular year, it's Tom Brady's announcement. <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm not even making a joke. Like I thought oh, I what know, he did I last know. night was disgusting. You know, like it's, it's he waited until a, it's he waited until after the selection show, at least. Bro, it's it was low ball, man. It's exploiting like he had to do. I understand the timing, but like college basketball gets screwed as a result of that. So I, but the, obviously that's a, that's a one off, but it's a killer, man. Look, I don't mind the parachuting in. I, I have to laugh at some of the analysis because these people, you know, instead of saying, look, I've only been covering the sport for a week and a half, <laughs> they, they, they come off like they're experts. That I have a problem with. But the parachuting in, brother, you know, the sport could use as much coverage as it can get. So, like, I welcome all parties. Come on in. The, the problem I have is, hey, look, I work for ESPN, so full disclosure. And after I say what I'm about to say, I'm probably never going to work for CBS. But, you know, and it kind of goes along with the parachuting in, but you have you have a network covering the the biggest event, one of the biggest events in all of playoffs in all of sports playoffs that doesn't cover the sport all year. And 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 then you have a network that does cover the bulk of it for for the season that is now sort of extricated from the party. Look, CBS and Turner paid a lot of money for it. But when you've got some of the people, and I won't, I mean, we know who they are, some of the people who do come in and have to start covering the sport, I I think it makes it more about, you know, putting those people on screen and trying to drive attention through those people than necessarily the product itself. And I think it does itself a disservice. I thought it was short-sighted by the NCAA when they, you know, the first time they took the tournament away uh, from ESPN, I thought it was, it was a money grab and, and we know why. I mean, this tournament makes the bulk of, of what the NCAA makes in terms of revenue. Um, so so that's that's the big thing. And then the, the committee is an, another big part of this. And, you know, I'll leave the CFP discussion to you, but I think it's in the same bag. These people get up on camera and it's not that they're not smart people. It's that they don't want to box themselves in to like whatever answer they're about to give. The problem with that is is you create, I think, more a lack of transparency creates creates more distrust. And, and I think some of these questions need to be answered. And what ends up happening is you end up marginalizing, you know, teams like a Tennessee, you end up marginalizing these fan bases by giving incomplete answers. And so I think the, the committee and the lack of transparency and the lack of willingness to answer these questions, by the way, to these entities that, that have paid a lot of money for your product, I've never understood that. Is there a way, like, I think some of the parachuting, like you said, some of it's good. Like Charles Barkley just sort of admits, I think what he does well is he just admits, he's like, yeah, I've never watched these teams, but like, I'm watching this game and I, in the game, he's really good at analyzing the game because he's this larger than life personality with lots of, you know, thought he's a, a smart basketball guy. I don't want him on selection Sunday, breaking down the net ranking of like a nine seed. I don't, I don't want to hear that shit from him, but I want to hear him talk about, what he's seeing in a game, because then I think it brings more people to the sport, which I think can be a good thing. So I think there's some people that are, that, that, that it works well with if they do it, if they do it correctly. Um, when you look at all these weird conversations about where college sports is headed with these sort of 
the autonomy five soon to take control of, of every voting right in, in the sport here in a couple of years. Do, and there's been lots of rumors about this, about, and just, and just talk about a 65 team. They're their own tournament. It's its own thing. When you hear something like that, because you did, you are pro Texas A&M, pro Oklahoma, big conference, tougher schedule, more proven team. That's probably quote unquote better than a Wyoming. What do you think of when you think of the sport being it's having its own 65 teams doing its own product and trying to go out and sell that to a TV partner? I can understand the desire to do it. And you remember Bob Huggins had the comment. Uh, it was back, you know, beginning of the season, right. Where, um, you know, he was basically positing that the, the power five or power six in college basketball, if you include the big E should, should break away. And I, I can understand why, why those parties would want to do it um, in this day and age where this thing becomes all about money and it, it becomes all about, you know, by the way, like folks are losing jobs. I mean, that's how valuable the NCAA tournament is to, to a discussion about coaches. Coaches lose jobs over not getting to the NCAA tournament. And so when you look at a decision where we're going to put a Wyoming which, which has an inferior, inferior resume to some of these other power five teams. I, I don't understand, like, I can understand why, you know, some of these power five, power six coaches would want to do that, Braden, and, and just say, look, we don't trust the NCAA. And by the way, the NCAA is going to be obsolete in probably five years. So why would we attach ourselves when college football obviously broke away years ago and has flourished as a result? Why would we continue to pay to, to, allow the NCAA to control so much money in this enterprise, why would we allow the NCAA, which again, I think strategically has made decisions based on money that have hurt the sport. Why would we allow that entity to continue to manage our postseason? Um, and why would we allow sort of this movement, this bleeding heart for these mid-majors, which look, I understand these upsets make, you know, for great drama on the first two days of the tournament. I get it. I played at a, at a low major. I played at Army. So I, I understand it. But I also understand, and, and this is the way of the world, like you play in those conferences, you are playing better schedules. You, you have the ability to make more money. You're more marketable. So I understand the argument on the other side. I don't want to lose the mid-majors, um, but, but I can understand these, these Power Fives coaches, you know, looking at this, this business deal and saying, wait a second, this, this doesn't seem, we are not getting a big enough for this, this pie here. If the tournament were to turn into that, do you think it do you think it decreases interest in the tournament but increases interest in the regular season? Like is there a ripple effect that maybe more fans are paying attention because almost all of the teams are going to get in or does that or does it hurt the ratings in the tournament because we're not watching you know a Belmont beat uh, an Iowa or whatever? I, I think as long as you have a bracket and whatever the whatever the number of teams will be Braden, people are going to gamble on this event. People are going to watch this event, and this event is going to continue to create drama. What creates the drama is not, look, I, a, a, a Northern Iowa beating a Kansas on Ali Farouk Manesh's shot, obviously that creates drama. Vermont beating Syracuse and Tom Brennan running around like a chicken without his head, fantastic, <laughs> amazing. But we had amazing moments during these other conference tournaments, these major conference yeah, tournaments. Yeah. And again, if you, as long as you have a bracket and as long as you have these, these teams facing off in a one and done format, you're going to have drama and people are going to watch. So I, you know, look, yeah, Vanderbilt, I get it. Vanderbilt, I Vanderbilt, Kentucky. And I understand people wanting it, but. 
it, to me, it's still going to be the same event that it is. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, like yeah, that that's a team that has no no business being around the NCAA tournament, but they almost knocked out Kentucky in a great right. basketball game in what would be probably a round of thirty two type of matchup or Sweet Sixteen type of matchup if the the tournament goes that direction. Yeah. Um, all right, you're in charge. I'll let you go on this one. I know you got to go. Uh, uh, you're in charge of college basketball from a coverage, media rights, TV. You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm not asking you to change the rules of the game per se, but just you're in charge of college basketball. What what does the sport need the most to to be successful? Man, I mean, that's a that's a that's a large that's a large question. Um, You know, I I think I think the sport needs to look at the calendar first and foremost. Like we've got to get out as much as we can from under the umbrella of college football in the NFL. Now, look, the NFL keeps extending its season, so that's going to be an impossibility. I mean, they played it, what, was it February this year they played into? Yeah. You know, so, but we've got to try to get out from under that umbrella because, I mean, the first two months of the season, which, by the way, Braden, are, are two of the more exciting months in yeah. the sport. I mean, you get all those MTE events. That's where you get all the non-conference events. Like, we've got to try to, and I've said this for a long time, we've got to move the season back to like December and have the tournament in April and, and then figure, you know, CBS has to figure out the coverage of the masters and all of that. But that's, I mean, first and foremost, we've got to figure out the calendar because I think you're, you're, you're really putting yourself in a, in a real bind there. Um, You know, we, we've got to figure out, you know, who's in charge. Like the, again, the NCA runs this thing as a money grab. And I think the thing with college football, outside of the fact that football is a great sport that everybody loves, I'm not marginalizing that, but these conference commissioners run the entire enterprise. And I think we've given the NCAA too much power over a sport. Mostly it's post postseason. I mean, that's what drives college basketball. We've given that entity too much control over our sport and they've made decisions not in the best interest of the sport, They've made decisions based on how they can make the most money. And so I think, I mean, look, whether it's a commissioner, whether it's, whether it's these conference commissioners uh, end up having a little bit more power, I think we've got to figure that out. But, but somebody's got to be in charge of the sport. And right now, we, we just, you know, we don't have somebody who's doing that. Chris, thank you so much for your time, man. I know it's a crazy week for you. Um, obviously, love watching all your work and, and uh, congrats on all the success. And uh, the first and only podcast this week that will feature two Army shirts in the Zoom call. The only yes, one. Sir. The only one. Thank you so much, Chris. You got it, Braden. Thanks, buddy. That was Chris Patola again, Steve. Just I'll admit I'm biased. He's a, a friend of mine. I've worked with him a lot, and ESPN, of course, is where he does a lot of games. And I just think he's one of the smartest guys. He's been in the military, played at Army, married to Coach K's daughter. Like this guy knows everything there is to know about this sport. And I think when he speaks and says things like, "Why wouldn't the all the coaches and administrators want to take and have their own tournament?" and you betcha people are going to gamble on it and watch it. I I tend to listen to him when he talks like that. I mean, I have a very specific point of view on that. I think that would be a complete and utter disaster for what the for what the tournament is. I just don't think it would. I don't. I don't think it would carry the same weight as an NCAA tournament that is potentially had that potentially three hundred plus teams have access to. If you cut it down to like ninety or so teams that have access to this tournament, I just I just don't think that it's it's the same thing. It's just not. And, and, and I think that's ultimately what will prevent it. Now, it may change 
some internal dynamics there and may change some money changing hands and whatever else. But, you know, as always, these are negotiating <laughs> right. positions. And and a lot of this comes from, for those that don't know, the uh, the autonomy five in football are going to make a lot of these decisions about the of, about control and legislating and creating rules. And once some of those avenues for rule change become easier for them to make decisions and sort of cordon themselves off from the NCAA, there is a prevailing thought that the power five in college football, and in, in Chris's, he alluded to this, maybe the Big East potentially in basketball, maybe a sixth one is is involved. What's to stop them from just keeping all the, the, the slots in the bracket to themselves because they can make all the money? And I do agree with Chris that eventually, I agree with you that it would be disastrous because it does change fundamentally how the tournament functions. But I also agree with Chris in market forces that if you can gamble on it and, and you've got a, a Vanderbilt-Kentucky game in the SEC tournament that was very good, that's the kind of game you would get in the first round or second round or whatever of a tournament like this where it's just here are the 70 teams that are in college basketball and the Power Five, and they all get in, and we're going to compete for a championship. It does, it does I, you know, it ruins the charm of the, the product, but I, I think people eventually would get over it. Um, so I don't know. It's not like See, the ratings. I, it's not like the ratings are off the charts. <laughs> so I mean, so so here's it. Here's the here's ultimately I think what's going to stop that. Uh, if you go to uh, my favorite site, uh, if you go to Ken Palm, the Ken Pomeroy's site, and you look at he so he keeps a chart every year called the called the D one universe, and what it is is it's every conference, and it's all of the schools plotted on a plotted on a single graph. But you can see how every single conference ranks from top to bottom. So the Big 12 adjusts out as the best. The SWAC adjusts out as the worst. But here's the the really interesting thing. Unlike football, the Big East has a lot to say about this. Yeah. And the Big East has nothing to say about football. But the Big East is, is, is uh, is the fourth rated conference this year among the, the, this kind of D one universe. So, I mean, really, you're not, you're going to have a tournament that doesn't have Villanova or Connecticut. I, or I Seton, think or, or I, Seton hall. I mean, I, I think that's I, ultimately I, what's going to, what's going to, what's going to keep that from happening. That, that may be true. It would be interesting to see how that works, but I could see them saying in exchange for giving us the freedom of control of this thing and putting all of our teams into the tournament de facto is okay. We'll, we'll, we'll include the big East. But see, here's the here's the other thing. I don't want to see your garbage teams play. I know, I know, playing playing in you know playing in March. I don't want to see you know, (laughs) I don't want to see Georgia play. Georgia was six and twenty something (laughs) this year. So bad. I mean, Georgia shouldn't. Not not only I agree. Not only should they not be playing in March, they might not should be. They probably shouldn't even be playing next fall because this team was so bad. I mean, they were awful. No, like I listen. I I agree with you that it is a bad, it, like it would it be less enjoyable. I want to see Ali Farouk Manesh and Bryce Drew hit shots with no time remaining to knock off Kansas and in Bryce Drew's case, Ole Miss in 98. Like that, that I, I that is part of what makes the tournament great. And so I'm with you. I think it would be terrible. Also, let's keep in mind these mid-major teams, because this will feed right into our next conversation where I've got to kind of have to call out Belmont alumni Steve Cavendish here a little bit because the the good team like the mid-major teams whatever side of the I like the nine and nine power five team because they played a significantly more difficult schedule and they probably have more talent versus the 
Murray State that's 30 and two, right? And and or Belmont a lot of years. That that debate is a really interesting debate. And sort of no matter what side of that you're on, they're good basketball teams. If you do if this new tournament were to formulate the way we're talking about, to your point, it would be filled with a lot of really bad basketball teams. And I think that's the problem. I also am too cynical to avoid the financial incentives here for the power five to just take it all to themselves. And they're not the only ones like former, I want to say John, is it John Skipper, the former guy who run ESPN, who's talked openly about this, that it's a possibility. So this is not just some like pie in the sky idea. There are actual people with major dollar influences on, on all of this that, that are, that have been talking about this. This is not well, just some made up, made up concept. Well, and some of that too, like uh, as the world shifts to over the top, as, as the world shifts to streaming, and there's more power in the streamers, they're, they're going to have more of a say of the product. I mean, Thursday night football, Thursday night NFL games are on are on Amazon this year instead of Fox. Yep. Skipper, uh, Skipper's work at what is it? DAZN? Is he still at DAZN? He's doing something else now. Oh, with the Levit- the Levitard Media thing. Oh the- yeah, 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 yeah. But as these as these folks have more and more power and and more and more eyeballs and therefore money. You know they're going to be able to sort of dictate rights uh, rights fees and and pick yep. off some of these some of these things. But you know, for now, thank God, you know the one the one thing that that brings people to broadcast television is live sports. And you know, C- CBS pays you know billions for this tournament every year, and so I think they're tied to they're tied to the everybody gets in more than more than. What some what some people and I don't I don't even think it's all of the Power Five that wants to do this. I mean, all, all the people within the Power Five. I think it's some people. Yeah, but some really impo- important people. Im- important people with he- heavy, deep financial interests and ties to all of this. Uh, we'll get to the TV ratings, by the way, for the SEC tournament uh, and how what was Nashville watching last weekend, which I find interesting because the numbers skyrocketed last weekend, and I love that. I just wish you guys would be watching more. Kentucky and Tennessee throughout the regular season, but whatever. It's neither here nor there. Quickly, let me, let me, um, so you're on a thread, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, this is the beauty of Twitter. You just sort of find these, these conversations and you end up in rabbit holes. And one of the big talking points th- throughout the, the tournament uh, selection process was Texas A&M getting left out. Some people, Oklahoma as well, getting left out, whatever, pick your power five team that played very, very well and was kind of 500 ish, probably got to 20 wins and didn't get in. And I think there is a, an, a it, this has been an eternal debate in the modern world about the college basketball uh, tournament, which is, do you want to reward a mid-major program who did not play nearly as difficult to schedule and nearly as difficult to conference schedule night in, night out, week in, week out, and reward them for having a great season? Or do you actually want to give it to what probably is the quote unquote better basketball team that played a much more difficult schedule in a much more difficult conference, but was average in that conference. So let's use Belmont and Texas A&M as the two examples here as stand-ins for this argument. I'm actually okay with either side of this argument. I just want people that are making the case to stay consistent and to sort of own their side of the, the argument. I'm okay with people saying Belmont deserves to get in because they went 20 and I'm not saying this year's team, but like the years past where they lost one game in the conference tournament and they're 28 and three and they didn't get in because they lost one stupid game in the tournament versus a nine and nine SEC team like Texas A&M. I'm okay with both sides of it. Just own it. And I feel like Steve, you kind of straddled that line a little bit this week when you were like, yeah, Texas A&M belonged in, but so does Belmont. 
And I don't know because that those are sort of contradictory thoughts in my mind. Does that make sense? I, I think there's sort of, there's sort of two pieces here. One of it, one of which is, are you rewarding are you rewarding conference tournament performance for for people like on the outside in? And, and I think that's, and I was reacting to specifically, it looks like the SEC tournament doesn't matter to the, the, the committee because of A, how they seeded Tennessee at three instead of, instead of they were clearly at what I think was a two seed, but also they didn't kind of reward Texas A&M who was like on the edge of being a bubble team playing their way into the final. Um, I mean, I, I, they have said consistently that how you play at the end of the year and how you play in these tournaments is is an important criteria and then they sort of walk away from it kind of when they don't want to use those metrics well didn't the other thing didn't they throw that last hang on didn't they throw that last 10 thing out though they they used to have like a final metric and then they threw it out right well they've said they've said it's still a factor but this is the problem here is they and the other thing i was reacting to which is you know the big 10 got nines got nine teams in the tournament which is quite frankly horseshit. You can't. <laughs> I, and I and I think what the, there's Indiana and Rutgers would disagree with you. <laughs> whatever. I mean the to me the most. Uh, sorry for the edit. You're very fr- no. It's okay. We're not editing. You're very frustrated by this, and it's okay. To me, <laughs> if you cannot win, if you can't have a winning record in your conference, or if you're not in the top half of your conference then you shouldn't get into the tournament. But aren't those, I think, arbit- aren't those arbitrary benchmarks? Like- well, but, but, here's, but here's the problem is, is, that we, is that we talk about strength of schedule and we talk about you know, the, the power five or, or the power seven or eight or what, how, what, what are you going to talk about in basketball? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because I play in this power conference, therefore my strength of schedule is, is, is tougher. And so somebody like Oklahoma, who is 18 and 15, it, but is is ranked, I think, 30th in Ken Palm uh, at the end of the year. They were the highest ranked team in both net rankings and in Ken Palm to not get in. But they didn't they didn't have <laughs> I mean, they didn't perform in the conference. And so it, it's one thing to say, you know, our conference is so strong that it artificially I mean, that it, that it inflates our importance. But if you can't win in that conference then you shouldn't get into the tournament. And I think that if you took some metric, whether it's the halfway mark or if you said half minus one, so there's 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 however many there's how many there's what sixteen teams in the uh, fourteen teams in the in the SEC. Uh, I, think that's, I and, think that's I think that's a terrible idea. Why? Because it's you're creating a completely arbitrary benchmark when even in your argument you're saying, well, the committee like it needs to be case by case. Like if the SEC is god awful one year or really really amazing one year. Those nine and nines, those records aren't the same. They're not equivalent. And so just being like eighth place in the SEC versus one year versus eighth place in the SEC the next year might not be the same thing. They don't they don't equal out. I just think the debate is. And by the way, A&M with with neutral court wins over Auburn and Arkansas heading into that championship game. I'm okay with them not getting in. But again, here, here again, this is where I this is why I kind of hedging my bets here. Because if you want to, like, if Belmont and Texas A&M played 30 times, Texas A&M is going to win more than half the games, okay? But, and if Belmont played Texas A&M's schedule, would they have the same record? My argument would probably be no. 
but I'm okay with rewarding the quote unquote Belmont. In this case, it's probably Wyoming, right? Is, is who that would be. They played right. Indiana in the Wyoming game. who got Wyoming who got in as, right. a, as an 11 in a playing game, right? Indiana smoked. I'm sorry, them. a first four game, yeah. Indiana smoked them. Uh, it, it's a first round game when Belmont's in there, though, right? Just, just absolutely, to be, just to be clear. But like Rutgers Notre Dame was a spectacular basketball game, that was a spectacular oh, awesome. basketball game. But those are two power conference teams. And again, it doesn't mean that if a group of five team would have been in there, it wouldn't have been as good. I guess it's not group of five. It's like group of like 17 or whatever. I I just think it's okay to say, I want to see Wyoming's and Belmont's and reward them for having great seasons, but acknowledging that they would not have anywhere close to a chance to get in if they played in the SEC. I think you have to do it case by case, but just admit what you're doing. But see, like say, or Belmont or pick the better team. If Belmont played Texas A&M schedule, but if Belmont did that, they would be in the SEC and they would recruit differently, and they would I mean, I, I, like that's... there would be like a hundred different things involved in, in that. The, the fact of the matter is, is they don't. Then they're, they're in different conferences. What I want to see is is the tie go to a to a non-major conference. That's fine. I, I, I want to see the I want to see the number two team in the the summit or the no the, you the, you cannot then say i want a&m in the tournament over wyoming you have to say wyoming over a&m i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna die on a hill for texas a&m i mean no no I, they shouldn't be in the sec I, anyway i'm you <laughs> i'm using them as like placeholders for like 25 years of this same exact discussion we've had forever right and, right and, and I, don't, I don't i don't want that to i don't want that to i don't want that to diminish the, the really important thing here which is which is that mid-majors get screwed on an uh, on a regular basis on selection Sunday, but they didn't and, this year because Oklahoma and AM got left out for Wyoming. That's what I'm trying that, to tell you. You can't have it both ways. You got to pick but, one. But that doesn't that doesn't prove that. I mean, that doesn't prove that the that the committee is doing anything is doing anything okay. great. I I, I mean I they, think, they don't. I mean, and you can just look at this. I mean, look at the seating, and we could talk about like how they seeded the Murray you know, the State two got a seven. Support. Murray Murray State got a seven seed. Murray State got a seven, and it's great. A lot of and, I, and I'm happy for them. And I rarely ever say that about Murray State. Well, and Memphis got a nine. UConn and Houston were fives. Like those are not power five teams either. So I, I think there's, again, I there's inconsistencies in doing a bracket because it's a hard thing to do, which, right. which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Because again, I, I think the seeding thing is, is one of the dumbest things that Vols fans had, one of the dumbest hills Vols fans have ever died on. So, um, all right, we got TV ratings here. When, when, when um, we're, we're going to talk about Chad Withrow and Jared Stoneman's tweets and their reports around the NFL, the differences between those, what we like, what we don't like about them. Um, we're also going to get into, of course, um, some media issues I have with, with college athletic media cores versus the NFL. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later on. But real quickly, SEC tournament, Tennessee, Kentucky, number one most watched sporting event last week. 8.4, which is more than double what the regular season matchups gave us. I, I guess that's makes sense, I suppose. Just people more interested in the in basketball around this time of year, I guess. Tennessee, Texas AM, the championship game of 5.7. So Saturday's game way more watched, which is cool. The Big 12 tournament championship, Texas Tech and Kansas, which I am shocked, finished number three. Because frankly, I, I mean frankly, the Vanderbilt Kentucky game was spectacular. I'm surprised it didn't make it on this list, actually. Um, the NCAA selection show number four. I, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I mean, nobody watches Vanderbilt. No, I know. I know. Uh, NCAA tournament selection show. That was a quick drive by there. Uh, NCAA tournament <laughs> selection welcome. show 4.0 rating. So uh, a pretty big number there for just the selection show. Um, the SEC tournament, uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas, 3.9. So basketball 
it grows rapidly as we've kind of complained about interest in the city and like the Tennessee Kentucky matchups and stuff where they're pulling like a 3.8. Well, now they're now it pulled an 8.4. The Gonzaga Baylor national championship game last year pulled about a 17 in Nashville. So you can see it like just it, it exponential interest explodes right around last weekend and will carry for another month. And I think a lot of people make sense, but that's almost, that's almost a hundred thousand people that watch the Tennessee Kentucky game in a hundred thousand TV households. These ratings, of course, courtesy of Mark Minda and News Channel 5. So there, there's your there's your TV ratings. Uh, we'll do some recommendations a little bit later on in the show. Tweets from Chad Withrow and Jared Stillman, as Wait, well look, as Homer Media. We'll do that. Real, real, real quickly, though, I, I mean, so, I'm, so A, I'm not surprised that UT Kentucky did better than anything else. Uh, but B, it was on Saturday night. Uh, do you think the SEC ought to move the, real quickly, ought to move their tournament back a day, and so they finish up on Saturday nights? Because, like... <laughs> The the argument has always been that that whoever the whoever's in the SEC final is doesn't get adequately seated because of and we'll talk about that. This will segue us into something else here, but um, they don't get adequately seated because they play on Sunday and the the committee's already swimming through like five hundred different scenarios it, that they would they would get a better they would get a cleaner shake if it was if it ended up on Saturday night. I I have a very strong opinion on this. And I think it's a very clear answer, and I will give you that answer when we return. We'll do all of that with Withrow and Stillman and Homer Media and all kinds of other stuff, recommendations, and my answer to that question, should the SEC move their championship game to Saturday, when we come back right here on Lamestream Sports. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about national sports media and business, hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner and is brought to you by Jaspers, always brought to you by Jaspers. How much would one pay if one wanted to go watch college basketball over the course of the next few weeks or maybe a Predators game? How much would one pay to park their vehicle? Um, $10. That is incorrect. That is misinformation, Steve. $15. That is misinformation. $20. I see if I valued what I, what I, what it would? Uh. What's the value of me parking my car there and being able to go inside and get great food and and watch a game in a great place? You know, you know, realistically, it's a twenty twenty five dollar thing. The intrinsic value of that 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 little box you put your car in, and yet outside of Jasper's, and yet <laughs> it is free. It is free, folks, which means you can have an extra two beers when you go watch a game at Jasper's because that's again that's the intrinsic value of that parking spot. The burgers are great. The happy hour specials for Preds games are great. It, it's just a wonderful place to go watch sporting events. It's a great place to have like a business lunch. It's a great place to have some happy hour Preds games. Got great specials and stuff for those. Like it's just a, it's just an excellent place. To, the food is phen- phenomenal. Deb Paquette, the menu for top hospitality, you know, they do great work in this city. They've been locally owned forever and they've been here in the market doing good work. The name is trusted. Like go to Jasper's. The parking's free. What else do we need to tell you guys? It's ridiculous. Just go. Go now. Just leave. Leave. <laughs> Keep the podcast going, but go into Jasper's. Okay. Okay. So we'll get to um, which media throng in the SEC is the most homerific and, and a complimentary. I've got a complimentary take for Titans media. Um, actually, um, as it pertains to this conversation, because uh, I, I think college athletics is just the worst at this. We'll also decide. We'll also talk a little bit about the differences between Jared Stillman's Aaron Rodgers report and Chad Withrow's Rob Gronkowski report in just a second. But the SEC tournament question you raised about 
moving it to Saturday. First of all, and this is a loaded answer for me and a loaded question for me, because I do not agree with any of the garbage that says that the committee doesn't slot teams and doesn't pay attention to the Sunday game. Oh, I think it is an easy, lazy Twitter talking point to say, oh, I guess the Sunday games don't matter. Memphis got a nine seed and played their championship on Sunday. Like it, they, they actually were elevated, even though they lost that game. So like, I, I just don't think it matters because the committee, I also don't think Tennessee got a bad draw. I've said this on every show for all, all week long. We celebrated one of the coolest things that Tennessee has ever accomplished in my entire lifetime for about three hours before we went back to bitching and moaning about how we were slighted by some entity outside of Tennessee, which I don't think actually happened because I think while it's fine to say Tennessee belonged on the two line, I get that. I agree with that. That's okay. Their draw so is math. Their math draw, agrees their, with that. Their draw is better where they are. And so all that matters is the draw. And the committee looks at that stuff. I'd much rather be in the East and playing Colorado State, Villanova, and Arizona than I would be playing Tom Izzo, Michigan State, Texas Tech, and Gonzaga way out West. It's not a better draw period for me personally now as a tv viewer where would i want to watch the sec championship i like it where it is i like the noon sunday slot i think that's a really good tv slot for an sec championship game i think it could get lost on a saturday night you already have what they didn't the acc and the big east and the pac-12 already moved to that slot so there's fewer of them on sunday now anyway like i could see it both ways from a tv viewership standpoint i do not think i do not believe that it affects your seating i just i just don't believe that the day your game happens like what is what is eight hours by the committee it doesn't I, buy it doesn't buy you anything I think that I think that a you're going to get more eyeballs on a Saturday night than you are on a Sunday afternoon, and, and we and we've seen that and we've seen that kind of across the board. We've seen that in we've seen that in how the, the NFL performed on Saturday nights in the fall when they when they had games shifted over there. We've seen that Tennessee can really Saturday is not a Saturday is not a better TV night than Sunday. Tennessee is Tennessee Kentucky was not going to pull a higher number on Sunday than it was on Saturday night. That Saturday night number is it is it reflects right. I think the highest number uh, that that you're going to get out of those teams this year. This is an embrace debate episode because I totally disagree. I totally. It's disagree. fine. You could be wrong about this. Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night is not a better television night than Sunday afternoon. It's not. There's a there's a difference between Saturday night as as destination viewing for something and. So I think it's easy to confuse that with being like a generic Saturday night. Like like we talk about. You know, we talk about how about New Year's Eve being the drop off for those ratings. And that's a very real thing because that's a much bigger that's a much bigger event sort of thing. Saturday night in and of itself is not an event or destination. Well, but but the NFL puts the biggest games and picks the best games and puts them on at two and five on Sundays in the playoffs. They don't the biggest games are not the ones on Saturdays. Because they they, they, they they put the Chiefs and Bills at four thirty because the network because the networks do not want to screw with their Sunday night primetime lineup. Right. I mean they don't. I mean if they could, if ABC and if ABC and CBS could get NBC, uh, I mean if they could get Sunday night football off NBC, okay. and they could sell their 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 primetime lineup as they as they were before, you know that moved into primetime on Sunday nights. They absolutely would. I, I think I think you're the argument for moving it, even though I disagree, like even though I sort of fundamentally disagree with the concept that Sunday gets lost in the committee's eyes or something. I just disagree with that. But if you believe that, which 
fine. That's okay. If you believe that, then that's a reason Thanks, to man. move. But that's a reason to move it to Saturday. Like that—that that is more of a reason to move it to Saturday because all these right now you got the ACC championship game, the Big East championship game, the Pac-12 championship game. Like right now, you'd be moving into a slot with, that is more congested in theory than than the Sunday at noon, where you're the only you're the only big basketball game in town. Uh, Sunday at noon, like other than like some mid some tiny little American East championship. I think it was the Ivy League championship that started at like eleven o'clock on Sunday. Other than that one other Ivy League thing that's happening, you're the only show in town in college basketball on Sunday at noon. So I, I just think if you moved it to seven or eight, six o'clock, five o'clock, whatever, you now have multiple other Power Five Conference Championship games you're competing with. So I don't think TV's the, r- the right answer. I think the committee would be the better argument. I just personally disagree with it. Even if you know, I know you and I don't see eye to eye on that, but like, does that make does that make sense from a TV I mean, I mean, I I could see your point there. I, I just don't think that I, I don't think the SEC has anything to fear. But I mean, I Tennessee can Tennessee Kentucky is a better game nationally than whatever the Pac-10 was putting on Pac-12 I, I, was, was was putting on 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 Saturday night. I I, to, I totally agree. But even those games were slotted at eleven and three on Saturday yeah. because they because ESPN moved them early ahead of the championship games because they didn't want to they wanted to keep the ACC and the Big East in those time slots. So that's why the semifinals were at 11 and three instead of at, at you know at, at, at where would the championship game it's an interesting discussion but i don't personally i i don't think the committee doesn't watch sunday games <laughs> i just don't i don't i think that's a i don't think they do either and, and you're argument. only proving my point there about tennessee i think they got the better draw I, i'm i'm a tennessee alumni. oh i, I think they, I, no no I, no I think they have the better path i think they have the wrong draw and i think the committee more than people think i think the committee looks at path and draw and and look they, they will drop they've done this for decades they will drop a team a seed line to keep them geographically in a better location they've done that for a long time and i think tennessee fans missed a week to celebrate a great accomplishment on sunday instead they just spent it bitching on twitter anyway okay um the, the reports for th- these two these two reports uh, from Jared Stillman and from Chad Withrow. And again, I just wanted to bring these two tweets out and sort of go- work through the anatomy of, of sort of breaking news and, and sourcing and stuff like that. So let me read uh, Jared Stillman's report. This is from February 2nd. Sources. Aaron Rodgers has purchased land and is in the process of building a home in the Nashville suburb of Franklin, Williamson County. Also, source says Rodgers is, quote, open to joining the Titans. Another source says that current Packers teammates do not expect Rodgers back in Green Bay. So here's Withrow's. This was from March 12th. I'm hearing there is serious mutual interest between the Titans and Rob Gronkowski. If he decides to play in 2022, Nashville will be an option. All right, Steve, what are the differences between these two tweets? Because... It seems like you were dunking all over Stillman (laughs) for for his report. Hey, that's just, I mean, that's just fun uh but 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 b the here's the here's the problem i have fundamentally with the stillman thing uh and i don't really have that big he got killed he got killed for this thing and i and i joined the dog pile (laughs) because it was fun yes you did but i mean and 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 we and this is i mean this is ultimately what we were concluding uh when stillman was on here with us I mean, Stillman does these things because he knows it makes for good radio. Uh, but when he when he says he has a source that Aaron Rodgers is looking at, at looking at something in Williamson County, and then the other source that he pairs that with another source says that they don't expect him back in Green Bay. 
I mean, fundamentally, the, those are those are those are complementary things designed to make you think, oh, oh, Aaron Rodgers to the to the Titans when that's just not that's just not what they're saying. You're, you, what you're saying is he's con- like two different sources with two different pieces of information are, and he is being becoming the link between the two. Because I, I take and for the next the, month he was the link between the two right, right. on both Twitter and on the radio. What, what's interesting to me about this is there's nothing that you can prove or disprove about Withrow's report, and he kind of used different language, right? He's like, I'm right. hearing, and which is which is again something I do on the air all the time, which you're just saying like, listen, I, I, you know, Bruce Pearl didn't exactly get fired for lying about a barbecue. There was a lot more to the story, and you can kind of be vague like that on the air. It's a little different when you're reporting it, writing an article, or sending a tweet. And, you know, I don't really have an issue with either of these, to be honest with you, because one of them with with Stillman is that is is provable, though, like because he says has purchased land in in Nashville. Now, I would argue that has nothing to do with where he may or may not play football, which is what where Stillman becomes the link there. Right. Because John Calipari just bought a house in in, you know, on Sweetbriar, (laughs) like right there in Belmont. It doesn't mean he's coming to Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, there's any manner of douchey quarterbacks that have that have bought land in right. have bought land in Williamson County. Bill Belichick lives here. He's not coming to coach the Titans. All right, like like it, yeah. there is no connection between buying land in a, an incredibly smart uh, real estate investment, right? With how drunk the Nashville real estate market is, and and becoming the Titans. I, there's also a couple of things here on both of them that I don't really love because I. I could send out these kind of tweets all the time and I just don't because it's, I don't know. It's just not my thing, but like he would have, he is open to joining the Titans. Like, why wouldn't he be Um, just like with Gronkowski Nashville is an option. Well, yeah, there's only 32 options in the NFL for Gronk to play. So of course, Nashville is an option, especially considering the ties to, but the difference is in the Withrow Withrow is saying that he, he has heard that there is mutual interest between the two. Okay. That's a lot different than saying, you know, Rogers is open to joining the Titans. And another source says that, you know, his teammates don't expect him back in, in, in green Bay. I mean, Uh, of course, which was wrong, (laughs) which was, which was absolutely wrong. If Chad's talking to an agent or Chad's talking to whomever else, I I mean, I think that's, I think that's perfectly, I think I don't, I I actually don't have a problem with either one of them. I, I think, Stillman going on the air and trying to connect everything for ratings purposes is different than the tweet itself. I think, I think the difference is, I mean, the difference is (laughs) I haven't heard Chad hasn't been doubling and tripling down on it every single day. wasn't devoting, you know, an hour of his show every day for a month. (laughs) Again, this is what you said though. And what Stillman said on our show a few weeks ago, which is, you, he has to talk about the thing that the audience wants to talk about. I mean, I, I mean, I have to think that, and and we were we were talking about this beforehand. You know, that tweet got got six hundred replies, fifteen hundred retweets, uh, almost as many likes, and then an insane number of actual views. I mean, I, I just have to think that I just have to think at the end of the day that Stillman's walking around his house in Green Hills with his arms out, you know. <laughs> Going, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> no, uh, no, listen, I, I, I agree. And I think it, listen, I don't, I think had he separated the, another source says that current Packers teammates do not expect Rodgers back in Green Bay. I think that needs to be like a separate. I just think he was trying really hard to make yeah. people 
kind of kind of kind of draw those you know draw the all the dots together and and i'm not a, for, again i want to be very very clear i don't have really a big issue with either of these two guys sending either of these two tweets at all i just i just don't i think it's good information and i i, I don't think either one of them is making it up to be a liar or anything like that so i don't i want to make sure i'm clear on all of that because i do think it raises a, an interesting point about some media members n- not jared or chad and not even in nashville just some national folks that you and i have talked about before on the show that have built entire careers on just sort of sending out the thing that may not be fully accurate, but doesn't matter because it got so much traction and engagement that it has built that person a career. I'm, I'm not going to name names here, but there are a handful of guys that, and we've mentioned them on the show before, that, that have built careers and made it to big, one of the big three or four big broadcast companies covering the NFL by just saying things that aren't real. <laughs> Because once you pull the genie out of the bottle, you gain the, the traction and the engagement and the likes and the retweets and the clicks on the website. That's all the media company really cares about now. And that's maybe that's a media company problem, too. And that's and that's fundamentally why Twitter and talk radio are so compatible. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's why I live my entire life in both of those mediums. <laughs> I need to quit. That's what I need to do. I need to quit. I just wanted to kind of take those two reports and, and sort of break them down a little bit for people out there. Um, and uh, you're the guy to do it. So I appreciate that, Steve. All right. Uh, separate conversation altogether. And I want to give some credit to Titans Media here. Because I, while we can argue ad nauseum about the Tennessee Volunteer Seed Line, which I just don't want to do right now. We've already done it enough today on the show. What I, what I do believe about the Tennessee Vols media, and I got this, I've talked to Stephen Godfrey about this as well, the, the most water-carrying apologist fan bases that I have ever been around are Clemson, Florida, Tennessee, and LSU. Those media groups do nothing but apologize and carry water for their universities. And it is bad with Tennessee. It's bad. They hold grudges. They, they stake out airport. Like it's just, it's, it's bad. I will give a lot of credit to the Titans media core who almost does the exact opposite by holding the Titans and and the stories around the Titans to sort of some sort of, you know, accountability measure where you're going to get pretty authentic, pretty genuine coverage. I do not ever see Kaharski or Glennon or Beauclair or, Wyatt at the time, like none of those guys were ever water carrying apologists for the Titans. They never have been. And I don't think they ever will be. I think the Titans media core does a very good job of being objective and analytical and, and holding people accountable when they need it, praising people when they deserve it. I do not think that is the case in college athletics. I think in the sec in particular and Clemson, these media throngs are apt. It is absurd how homerific they are. But do you think that that is so? You know, one of the running themes of of uh, of this pod has been sort of the deterioration of, of media in general, and that's been very true in college in college media, where for a long time you had beat writers on you know on these teams who who had who were professional, and there are there are still there's still a lot of coverage. But the professionalism, uh, the professionalization of the beat has gone down over the years. And, 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 and I don't want this to sound like, oh, some bloggers are, you know, sitting in their parents, you know, basement, you know, right, 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 right. cranking out coverage. I'm not, t- I'm not talking about that at all. But I mean, 
there are there are there are fewer and fewer paid practitioners covering college media now than there were i mean co- covering college sports now than than there were you know years ago and, and college is one of the places because because there are so many fan bases because there has been such a, there has been such a growth of fan sites and kind of fan culture on the internet that sort yeah. of feeds yeah. all of this you know college you know college sports i think it it has amplified some of the worst fan bases and I, in, in, in that respect, I will say, I do think Clemson is the worst. <laughs> I just, it just, and that's, and that's why the message board genius guy right. will always right. have, you right. know, great, but which by the way, you know, we had him, we had him on here a couple of months. If you're, if you're not reading him right now, oh, it's during, so <laughs> during like the conference tournaments yeah. and the yeah. NCAA and like the Duke fans having a meltdown over coach K losing his final home game. It is yeah. some of the most entertaining stuff out there. The, I don't even need to like mention the examples for Tennessee fans. Like we can just go down. I mean, like David Ubbin literally wrote an article <laughs> yeah. and like listed off all the things that were situations where Tennessee fans could have garnered sympathy from around the country and instead acted like a bunch of silly, you know, morons. And I think a, a lot of times the, the problem is, is there's no line of delineation between the media and the fans in Knoxville. Here, let me give you an LSU example. So uh, th- there's a lot of information about why coach Ed Orgeron is still employed by the university. Okay. LSU beat writers and LSU people and LSU fans. They're not clamoring to find all that stuff out. Like there's a lot of stuff that has gone on at LSU, the will Wade stuff. You're telling me they're only firing because some notice of allegation came down. Like what Franklin you, what, Academy's will Wade. What, what do we what, like? And Tennessee people hate Will Wade. Like, I don't, I, I, I guess, I don't know, just because they caught him on, I think it's the Bruce, again, it goes back to the Bruce Pearl thing, maybe. I don't know. But Tennessee people, like, hate Will Wade. And I think it's transparently ridiculous that LSU fires him when a notice of allegation comes down, when he should have been fired a year and a half ago. But again, do LS, are LSU fans and the media really digging into why that is or who made the decision? Are they really digging into why Coach O was kept on as the payroll after they fired him so that he wouldn't be sued as part of all the investigations that are going on. So the LSU media is not exactly, you know, dying to dig up all that information. And it's because in college athletics, there is a power dynamic that does not exist in the NFL. The power dynamic in college athletics is these little eco, these little ecosystems where the football coach and the athletic director control everything. And if you, and frankly, the fans this is where, to your point about the deterioration of all of this, the fans don't want to be told bad things anymore. We're all, we, you have to be in your safe space. And I don't, this is where like, I, I hope Adam Sparks is okay. <laughs> like, I, I think Adam Sparks is a awesome reporter. And now, and there's some good guys in, in men and women covering Tennessee athletics. But like, if Adam Sparks writes a a, a story about something that went wrong at the university or somebody that did something wrong or anything negative at all. Like I'd be concerned with his job security, honestly, because unless you write great stuff, unless you're just like blowing smoke up UT's rear end, like that's what gets clicks. That's what drives traffic. That's what the fans want. And I just, I, I've never been that fan. So I don't understand it. I'm not, I'm not concerned about his job security. I, you know, I am concerned for his mental health because he gets the the, the vitriol of that base is, you know, 10x, 20x, 50x what he ever got for writing critical stuff at Vanderbilt. And, yeah, and no question. I'm, what I mean is and, if it doesn't get engagement, though, 
right? Like yeah. the editors are eventually going to say to him, yeah, quit writing those kind of stories. Like if it doesn't get engagement because the fans don't want to hear it, that's what I'm getting at is if what gets clicks is just blowing smoke all the time, then eventually the for-profit companies are going to tell you to write stuff that's blowing smoke, right? Well, and and that's, and again, and it's not to harp on something we've harped on a hundred times. That's the problem with the model. And, and the, yeah. the problem is, is that the newspapers, which have, which have traditionally been immune to that sort of, pressure are now have now because of the way they've built their digital media properties have put themselves squarely in the sights of that pressure and and i would i I would compound i think the other compounding factor is that fans just don't want to be upset anymore people are people are incapable of handling the slightest bit of disagreement or conflict or that that's real right that's like an actual stuff that that forces them to actually rethink what they think they love I don't people, know, man. I, 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 spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time on Twitter. I think people are perfectly happy being upset all the time. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a, I'm a fan of a team. I don't want to hear bad news about my team. Right? It's politics. Same thing happens in politics. Like, it, both sides. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I can't. You can't go to either one of the sides and say, well, but th- this is happening. And that's not right. And, and it, all it is is turns into whataboutism and it's not the conflict on Twitter that I'm referring to. It's like you in your own brain can't handle any semblance of like, life isn't perfect. I need my safe space all the time about my favorite team. And I don't want to live any other way. And that's not a, that's not a way I grew up. I, I maybe it's because I'm a Mets fan and a Preds fan and a Tennessee alumni that I just assume the worst is happening. <laughs> and so maybe I just, maybe I just was cynical at age like 12. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, I just, I, I the call, I want to give credit to the Titans media for how they cover the team. And I want to just make sure people realize that it's not just a Tennessee problem, but it is very much a Tennessee problem. It's an, it's a college athletics problem. It, it's Texas big problem there as well. Ohio state. Another problem. Ohio, I, I say the Ohio state fan yeah, base is bad. Toxic. And the media, the media that covers all these teams, they're, they're based. They, there's not a, a, a a very clear delineation between fandom and, and media professional in the college space, very much so in the NFL. And I think they do a good job. Okay. Um, all right. So recommendations here, Steve, to wrap up and I'm going to go really, really lighthearted and really, really sophomoric and teenager. If that's okay with you. Fine. I mean, I don't know how this would be any different than most weeks, but go ahead. <laughs> it's not fair. Very rude. <laughs> 25th season of South park. It is, uh, it is yeah. just, it is just as good. They're going after all the things that are happening in the world right now. It is just as good today as it was in 1994. It, it is extraordinarily funny. I still think it holds up. The writing is brilliant. I My wife doesn't understand it, but I think it's absolutely brilliant. They've covered so many topics in like the, the last like six weeks. I, I can't believe they are still doing it as well as they are doing it. And I don't know how many shows can say they've been on the air for 25 years and are still crushing south park season 25 awesome it's awesome steve what do you think what do you think south park's demo is do you think it's 95 or 98 percent male to female <laughs> i i'd like to know that i i obviously pretty heavy male i was gonna say but, but they but they don't they don't pull punches on anybody though like, no they, no they don't the beauty they, they, of the they, show is that they are equal opportunity hate for everybody no, I just I just thought it was funny. You're like my wife doesn't understand that. I mean that is that is that is the universal, uh, that is the universal 
kind of slogan of, of she, every male that, that watches South Park. She watches Teen Mom. I don't fucking get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. At least South Park, there's some smart, high-level political commentary taking place. What's going on in Teen Mom, honey? All right? What kind of commentary is happening in that one? Wow. Uh, no, she doesn't listen to the pod here. No, she doesn't. Uh, so my recommendation, so I have two recommendations uh, really quickly. First, and I'm recommending this uh, solely based off of the trailer and the first cha- couple of chapters of the book that I have read. Okay. We Own This City, which is going to be on uh, HBO in April. Uh, go watch the trailer now. Uh, John Bernthal, Jamie Hector. One of my favorite actors, uh, a Bosch alumni, but also a Wire alumni, uh, done a bunch of other stuff, is in there. Josh Charles, uh, a, a bunch of people that you will absolutely recognize. It's a Baltimore cop uh, drama, but but this is based on a book by a uh, a Baltimore Sun police reporter about a uh, about a squad of plainclothes police officers who go rogue, and Ooh. it. It is, I mean, seriously, spend a, spend a, a minute 30 with the trailer and you're going to be, okay. you're going to be screaming, give this to me now. I'm, I, I started, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. I, I started reading the book. The book is just, is just fantastic. It came is out it, last year. Is it fiction? It's nonfiction. Oh God. <laughs> and it is just, it, it's spectacular, but, but I'm you in. know, Hey, I'm in, I'm in David Simon police drama. I don't think I'm I had in. to say anything else. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, the other thing I want to say is um, we sent out a we sent out an email on Thursday morning uh, that the Nashville Banner will start producing stories on a on a limited basis. Dimitri Kalodimos and I have been working on a bunch of different stuff. Uh, if you want to if you want to read it, uh, go sign up for the newsletter at NashvilleBanner.com and. Uh, you'll start getting stuff in your email in April. That is so awesome. Just in time for all the most wonderful pieces of legislation in the Tennessee house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nashvillebanner.com. Go there, sign up for the newsletter. News is coming your way soon, folks. I'm glad to hear that, Steve. That is really exciting news. Congratulations to you. You've worked really, really hard over the last, I don't know, 18, 24 months, a long time building this thing. So congratulations. And so, and so we said that we said this in the email, which went out this morning, we still have, we still have a bunch of fundraising to, to do to, to get us fully launched. But um, Dimitri and I have some stuff that we've been working on that we really want to tell. And so we're going to we're going to tell it exclusively to banner subscribers to that newsletter first. And then uh, it'll appear in uh, some partner publications afterwards. Uh, but if you want to if you want to read it first, come uh, come sign up. And I'm, I'm assuming it will be the same high level content that I'm getting from south park every wednesday night every wednesday night <laughs> no congratulations it's great news nashvillebanner.com go sign up for the newsletter you will be a smarter and better tennessean and nashvillian because of it uh congratulations to you and dimitri and all the hard work you guys are doing and uh, still lots more to come but congrats on all of that special thanks to chris spatola to all of you listening rate review subscribe enjoy the weekend go to jaspers everybody it's a great place to watch games predators hockey you got basketball you got all kinds of great stuff so go to jaspers free parking great burgers all that great stuff for steve cavendish my name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.